I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This podcast is brought to you by Kempower, the reliable, quick, and scalable EV charging solutions for everyone and everywhere. And StarCharge, the largest EV charging manufacturer in the world and is also a provider of residential and commercial battery storage. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast. It is so great to have you here today. I'm your host, Francie, and thanks for plugging in with me and Kyle, who we have here joining us. You know, the Tesla supercharger network is never really not lingering in the peripheral of the EV world, right? Uh, And also a lot of news recently about how it will open up to other electric vehicles as the standard J3400 or the North American charging standard is integrated into new EVs or adapters come on the market. But additionally, Tesla had has been putting in what we call magic docks, which are Tesla superchargers with a CCS adapter built in. So opening up the network is really cool. There's been changes to it. There's been optimizations. And then there's also, of course, challenges along the way with interoperability with the EVs on the ground, on the roads that are plugging into these stations. And that's what Kyle and I are talking about today. So Kyle, one thing that you also won't stop talking about is how much you love your e-golf. I love my e-golf. Yes. Yeah, you love your e-golf. Also, Colton recently wrapped it. It was, you know, this $3,000 inexpensive, really uh, well-ridden, but not necessarily well-loved <laughs> EV. Yeah, trashed. <laughs> Absolutely trashed. And uh, you have driven it around a little bit. And maybe is that where we'll start with your e-golf? Uh, maybe we can even back up a little bit higher level. I definitely want to start with the e-golf, but I want to talk about Magic Dock. Uh, to start, which is how we've been interfacing the vehicles. Of course, at least at the time of this recording, it's going to happen soon. There's no official adapter to plug into Tesla superchargers. The only ones that are out there are the, I think, 30 or 32 Tesla supercharging stations in America that have a built-in, we're talking just North America at the moment, uh, built-in CCS, uh, excuse me, NACs to CCS adapter called the magic dock inside of the dispensers. Mm-hmm. And there's two different versions of these. There's the version three supercharger dispenser and the version four 
dispenser. At least mm-hmm. uh, out of all the stations that currently have power and are running at the time of this recording, they're all hooked up to the same charging hardware, which are the version 3 cabinets. So you have version 3 cabinets, some with version 3 dispensers, some with version 4 dispensers. Every version 4 dispenser, which is the taller ones with the immersion cool cables, have Magic Docs built in so far. Uh, which is interesting, and those have yeah. just recently started to get opened up and unlocked. So I think everyone watching this podcast is familiar with Magic Doc. We've reported on it many times. We've shown it in use. We've used them on our reviews channel and on my personal channel and my dad's channel. We've we've covered it. The guy big channel. news, big news this week. A Rivian owner went to a version four supercharger, the first one. Uh, sorry, version four dispenser, I should say the proper terminology with version three chargers and plugged in the Rivian and got 215 kilowatts Wowza. on a magic dock. Look so at that. That's full speed of the vehicle. And because the Rivian operates in that 400-ish voltage range, that means it was getting the full 500 amps it needed through the magic dock. Big news. So the original thought was, well, cool. All the version four dispensers will be 500 amps capable. And all the version threes will be limited at 350 amps, which is what they always had been up to this point, the Magic Docs. What's really been curious is the cable, the Tesla supercharger cable, the really thin one, water-cooled. Those can do seven. I've done 720 amps on that thing. I mean, when I plug in a Cybertruck dead, it pumps the juice. But mm-hmm. when you go into the adapter, uh, it limited the charging performance, again, to 350 amps. Mm. What was weird about it, though, there was a... And that was when you were plugging in any electric car, any public uh, charging with the CCS. But if you were like a nerd like me, and you said, okay, I'm going to go use the magic dock, but then use a CCS to Tesla adapter on the other side. So I'm going from the supercharger into the NAX to CCS adapter, into another adapter that goes from CCS to NAX and plugging it into a Tesla. So you have two adapters basically canceling them out. Then the supercharger would give you full 700 amps right through both adapters. Oh, really? (laughs) It would like... It would like trick it into being like, oh, this is a Tesla. No way they're using the magic dock. Send full juice. Uh, And I've done a few charging sessions like that and nothing blew up yet. So that was cool. All right. A quick break from today's episode to thank our sponsors, Climate Exchange, for sponsoring today's video. I am excited to share this basically dream of mine for you to possibly win a fully customized electric vehicle while supporting a nonprofit working on climate policy. This is Climate Exchange's eighth raffle, and there's less than a month left to enter, so definitely hop on this. Other online raffles might give you a few vehicle options, but nowhere close to this one. Their grand prize winner can choose any fully customized EV worth up to $112 thousand dollars. This is the price of a fully loaded Tesla Model X Plaid. So if a car on our show, any of the out-of-spec channels has caught your eye, now is your chance to drive home in it. Plus, they make the process really easy. They cover all the taxes, they pay for home charging, and they'll work with you to design and order your dream car. Plus, they also have cash prizes, so you can take home possibly two, three, five, or ten thousand dollars. Tickets have sold out for the past three years, so definitely don't miss out on getting yours right away. No matter what, your purchase is 
is going towards a great cause. Climate Exchange is a nonprofit, and they're working very hard to help states pass policies that fight climate change, something that I take very seriously. That's the whole reason they're running this raffle. They know that EVs play a key role in reducing pollution, and the proceeds from this raffle help fund their important work. You can buy tickets at www.carbonraffle.org, or just go to the show notes and click the link in the description. Sales end on February 27th, and the winners will be drawn on February 29th. And now, back to the show. Um, Knock on wood. So the reason that we were under the impression that the adapters were limited to 350 amps on Magic Dock was that the nameplate rating of the dispenser is 350 amps. When you look at the actual specs on every supercharger, it shows max current continuous is 350 amps. And so that's what that adapter limited to. But big news this week, they have now unlocked all Magic Docks to 500 amps. So we're all getting big boy, fast charging. Um, There's no CCS vehicle on the road today that requests more than 500 amps. Uh, And so it can support all of those up to a voltage range of about 500 volts. The high voltage cars still, even on the version four dispenser units, need to use their onboard boosters to step the power up. We've done that topic. I believe it's on Tesla to support every vehicle if they're opening up as a public CPO. Uh, and therefore, I hope they retrofit their version three chargers to high voltage somehow. But good news on the Magic Dock, don't you think, Francie? Yeah. Yeah. I think this, you know, if we take it big picture again, we're thinking about how the technology within the EVs, specifically the charging technology, is advancing, how it's going beyond what current infrastructure has been doing. And how are we future proofing that? How are we getting the best? output from these chargers to match the technology within the EVs. So it's a question to Tesla and other charge point operators, public charging networks to see how they will match the incoming technology from EVs. And of course, it's also a question of how will the melding of the two from the Tesla charging network, letting all of these other EVs onto their network go. And I think it will be a bit of you know, live and learn along the way. And I think Tesla has, you know, this approach to roll it out to see how it goes. But um, it's cool to watch this change because when the first Magic Docs were coming on onto the scene, you know, we were just kind of waiting to see what happens. We've already seen, like you said, significant changes in how that technology is working. Pretty cool. I think it's really cool. I think the, I, I haven't been able to charge at a Magic Dock yet. There aren't any in my area, but I know that you can go onto PlugShare and filter for Magic Docs and everything. So. Cool that you have so many in in Colorado. Yeah, we have, I think, five or six stations in Colorado, if I remember correctly, but only one for the Denver Metro. So I'm always hitting the North Glen uh, Magic Dock, and I was actually just there yesterday and could not charge my Kia EV9. Also was there a few weeks ago and could not charge my e-Golf. So this is the other topic I wanted to bring up, which is interoperability. Tesla's obviously making changes to their communication with every EV on the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also with Magic Dock supporting multiple vehicles, this is great for them to test their communications with other EVs. However, Tesla has been an open public network in Europe for two years now, year and a half, something like that, mm-hmm. where they've had the chance in the European market 
uh, with a slightly different plug type, but similar communication to work out a lot of the bugs with the vehicles that are on sale over there. But the US spec cars always have weird anomalies, always have slightly different communications, and we're going to almost have to go through that entire process again. Uh, yeah. So I just want to back up for a moment, which is if you can pull up one of my other tweets uh, visiting an EVGO station with the Golf, I filmed this entire experience for the Kyle Connor YouTube channel. Uh, so it's up for YouTube if you want to, uh, up on YouTube if you want to watch all of this. But I essentially um, went on a mini road trip. My Golf, you know, leaving the city is a road trip. The thing's only got 40 miles of range or 45 miles of range. So I decided to do a 150 or 160 mile trip, something like that, uh, in one day. And what I did was I left my house pretty much fully charged and I drove to the farthest away charging station I could, which is the EVGO station in Thornton. And I arrived to only one working charger, uh, which a Solterra was charging at. You can see the state of the site. Uh, here, I should also mention I was just there last night again, and they have fixed everything. But I think it took mm. my video to get them to fix everything, which is yeah. kind of disappointing. If you're tuning in not on YouTube, Kyle has posted photos and, of course, the video. But, you know, Myrtle, the charger, is all taped up. There's You can't charge CCS there. And then, yeah, Xavier is out of service, which is what the chargers are named, of course. Right. So there was just one working. And the only one that was working was a Delta City charger, which are the 100 kilowatt uh, units, the small ones, not the big high power units. And so I pulled in at zero miles. I was dead. There was no backup. I had this only option to charge. After the Solterra left, which they only charged to 40%, first time ever not full charging one of those things, um, mm -hmm. which was really nice. I thought, like, I'm going to be here for the next five hours. Better, you know, grab a blanket and take a nap. But no, it worked out pretty well. So they left, and then I went to plug in the Golf, and it would not charge. It would not charge. I would plug in, unplug, plug in, unplug, uh, and it kept saying connection error. And I called up uh, EVGO, and they said, uh, okay, well, that's the only working charger. And I was like, look, I don't want to tow this car. I called up some folks that I know over there. They're like, can you just inspect the handles on the high power unit? If they're not dangerous, we'll at least activate it for your one charging session and we'll make a note to roll a tech immediately to get this site back up and running. And that is exactly what they did, by the way. But again, it took me having to make a video and calling them to fix this stuff. So it wouldn't charge on the Delta City, but the car charged fine on the Delta high power. So mm. I had a call with Jeremy Whaling, who's been on this podcast uh, before. And I asked Jeremy, like, why do you think the Delta City unit was charging the Solterra, but not my e-Golf? And he said that there is a, on the early e-Golfs, which is a 20, I think in the U.S., 2015, 2016, I think 2016 may have been the first year in the U.S. They sold them from 14 in Europe. They handle the proximity pilot communication wrong. Like Volkswagen didn't follow the spec properly. And so it's like without of tolerance, to how it should be is, is my rough understanding. Forgive me if I'm getting some of this wrong, but it's like the car has a very unique way of communication. And mm. uh, I believe the e-golf uses DIN 70121, but there's also ISO 15118 and there's CAN spec communications for DC charging. There's like four or five major ones, but I think this uses DIN 70121. And so anyway, the Delta cities uh, just don't work with the e-golf. Now, Jeremy said that they have a fix in place coming soon. Uh, so that this isn't an issue, but there's very few of these cars on the road and it's really up to these major network operators to like 
find these cars, track them down? How do they even get these things in the lab anymore? Um, and make sure that the new hardware that they're purchasing, because again, EVGO doesn't produce this hardware. How do they make sure that it works with the older cars? This is going to become an increasing topic of we're going to have a lot of different vehicle types we need to support. A lot of interoperability testing. Charin is an event that we go to for in-person testing, but I also think there needs to be some software and back-end systems to do a lot of this through AI, um, which we'll have a conversation about um, maybe with my friend David, who's actually working on that project in the near future. Could be kind of interesting. But but ultimately, the, I knew something was up with the e-golf after this experience uh, handling the proximity pilot. So that was my EVGO experience with that. The reason I'm bringing this up is that I brought the vehicle on the way home. Now, of course, I'm like, I know that it charges on charge point units just fine. I've never charged my e-golf on a magic dock. Let's see if it works. Uh, and it did not work at Tesla. And I put it on there. I'm like, how can Tesla not support my e-golf? Crazy. Oh, no. And uh, we have a lot of viewers who drive EVs. And it seems like the 2017 model year and newer e-golfs charge just fine on superchargers. But again, there's this weird early model that handles the proximity pilot weird. And Tesla does not interoperate with this vehicle. And it does not charge my e-golf. So um, what, what do you think should happen here? Should Volkswagen issue an update to the early cars, which I think... It's not confirmed. I can ask Volkswagen, but one of the viewers said they've been trying for years to get Volkswagen to fix this, and they said, nope, we're not going to do it. Um, or should Tesla essentially handle the proper spec differently and then just get the car to charge? We've, we've had an interview with uh, Tommy, who's the CEO of ChemPower. He said, do you want to follow the spec perfectly or do you want to charge cars? And as a CPO, as a hardware provider, you need to make that decision. What should Tesla do in this case, Francie? Well, it's up to, I think, their goals. If they're going to offer equitable charging across the board, then you have to meet the EVs where they are, no matter where they are. And if that means, I mean, I think it's probably pretty hard, like you said, to get every model in, in the lab and testing, because not all of these, I mean, you found this e-golf where, how? You know, like it's not necessarily a common EV. So maybe when it comes along, though, to address it, I think that especially, you know, it makes me think about regulation because a lot of, you know, the reason that they're even putting in the magic docs is due to federal regulation for access to CCS charging in order to get funding from the federal government or perhaps state as well. So I think that that's going to come into play as well, if there's a group of people who are left out of this um, critical infrastructure access, then that will become a problem for Tesla. So I think that is something to consider as well. So I do think that, mm, I mean, I don't know how e who it would be easier for either. I feel like it might be easier for Tesla in this way than for VW to be able to update Eagles. Yeah, so... Again, I'm not sure what the answer is. If you look at EVGO's answer, they go, well, we can't convince the automakers, so we're going to work our chargers around all of these weird vehicle oh, issues. Yeah. And some vehicles but have issues if you show too much of a... Like, some cars will just brick if the charger says it can give you 500 amps. Like, they have to ramp up with the vehicle request, which is mm -hmm. why you'll see different chargers. Like, on my Rivian, I can see the max power from the charger. And as my vehicle's requesting more, the charger is increasing, saying what it can do. But the whole mm -hmm. time, it could just do 500. And that bricks yeah. some cars if it just says, ah, I can give you everything. 
I mean, EVgo, that's kind of what I'm saying about Tesla's mission. I, I don't really know if their mission is equitable access on their network, whereas EVgo, that is literally their mission statement, uh, electric for all. And that's why they have Chatamo on some of their, you know, chargers still, even that they're putting into the ground new, which, you know, take a problem with that as you will, but there are lease out there. So, uh, I mean, it makes sense that EVgo from what I know, having worked there even, you know, that they are definitely trying to get everyone to charge on the network as possible. So I think that approach is the right approach, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and so that opinion. means that you're going against the technical specifications of, or at least their interpretation of the technical specifications that every vehicle should adhere to. And this is why interoperability testing with Charin is so important. But there are those old EVs that are weird, like this e-golf is a weird one. Yeah. Uh, and there's a yeah. few others I can't remember that also have some oddities. So that's I mean that I that's can the almost, interesting part. Is I you can can't really almost go ex- back in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, of course. I can almost excuse Tesla for not being able to charge my e-golf. It's a little bit of a bummer because it's a very convenient place if I have to go to Denver for me to charge. But that's like yeah. there's so few of those on the road. What I think is a little bit concerning to me is the interoperability between Hyundai Kia Genesis vehicles and the supercharger network because these go ahead, are new. I mean, these are new EVs compared to your e-golf, right? That's my first concern when you start to say this is that, Oh, are EVs that are coming out on new to the market right now incompatible with Tesla superchargers when the whole plan is to open that up to new EVs. Right. And I think this is partially why Tesla did the magic dock experiment. It's to start getting data on the cars and doing, you know, sort of interoperability Mm -hmm. testing, but in the public and letting the users be the beta testers, which is a very Tesla thing to do, by the way. And what, what is really confusing to me in this case is I took an EV9 with the same exact battery that's in our car to the exact same magic dock two weeks ago. And I charged from zero below 0% up to like 60%, a big voltage range um, on the vehicle. And I had no issues, charged just fine. Whereas yesterday, I took our EV9 to the supercharger and on the same exact software that was on the older car. And I charged, plugged in, it would ramp, and then it would die. And this is very common of Ionic 5 and Ionic 6 and some EV6s on the supercharger network with magic docks when it first opened up they were also having the the ramp up to 50 60 kilowatts and then boom charging failed and it mm. would consistently show charging failed over and over and over so you, to me it's like how can the same car roughly ha- work one day and then the next day just completely fail that definitely doesn't line up and the thing i'm most shocked about having pulled up Kyle's tweet here uh, is that Colton is standing there in a snowstorm with shorts on. Yeah, it's a Colton so, move. It's such a Colton move. But no, that is really curious. So one day it worked. You went to the exact same place and it didn't? Right. And with this, with you know the same, same battery in the car, same everything. Um, and it exhibited the same behavior that certain Ionic 6 uh, uh, vehicles have been showing in Ionic 5s where they ramp and die. Now, it was my understanding that Tesla and Hyundai Kia Genesis engineers had been working on this and have come up with a solution. And in fact, in Europe, because they have the native CCS plugs on them, like I had an EV6 GT that uh, would only charge it like 44 kilowatts on a version 3 supercharger, but would do 100 on a version 2 where they had to actually limit the power above this failure point just to get cars to charge. 
And that I think has been resolved. But now here we are in the US in a different market with a vehicle that worked two weeks ago. And again, I know Tesla changed their logic because they updated the 350 amp to 500 amp. And here's the EV9 after that update not working. Now, there's still more testing to be done. There's still different scenarios that I can do. I can bring the EV9 down to zero. I guess I got really lucky the first time pulling it on fumes with the first EV9, just assuming it would work, forgetting that there was interoperability issues with the Hyundai Kia Genesis vehicles on Magic Dock. And I'm just shocked to see it here again, to be honest. And and this brings up the question, is it software in the vehicle or is it software in the supercharger? Did the new, I just got a software update for the cooling of the AC onboard charger, the EV9. Does that fix some of this communication? I don't know. I don't think so. That's just for AC charging and just for a cooling pump, not even to do with communications is what they say. But yeah, this is like, okay, now it comes to, the Tesla supercharger network opening up is going to be buggy. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it right mm-hmm. now. I've had two examples in the last two weeks of a failed charging session where I can take that same vehicle to a different network operator, both Electrify America in this case, and have flawless, great charging sessions, which it shows that Tesla worked really well with Tesla vehicles. And maybe mm-hmm. they haven't done these years of groundwork on interoperability with all these weird and new and quirky electric vehicles that they're going to have to charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't think that they, I don't know how long they were planning to do their, this is the North American charging standard announcement. I don't know if it was years of experience or if it was more, yeah, years prioritizing the Tesla cars on the road. And you've mentioned in a couple tweets, maybe it's time to bring back rate your charge. I know that when you did decide, you know, maybe we'll just do it for those big alerts, you know, really widespread problems, that would be the point as now, but our people respond and they're saying, wait, no, we, you know, maybe this is actually really helpful and it shouldn't be downgraded quite yet. Maybe with the opening of the supercharger network, it's something to consider. What do you think? Yeah. Something to consider at a minimum for sure. Um, it, it just costs us money and time to do these programs. So maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's not. We'll see. But mm-hmm. but what what again this brings me back to what is Tesla doing to ensure interoperability? They have never spoken publicly about this. And I mm-hmm. think, and my guess, and talking to automakers and reading between the lines on the charging teams, there is communication between the automakers that have agreed to use NACs and the Tesla charging team. And mm-hmm. I'm sure by the time the vehicles ship with a native NACs port, the interoperability between those vehicles and every version of the supercharger network will be completely sorted, dialed, and no issue. I hope. We'll see. But that's my expectation. When Tesla starts putting public CCS adapters on their chargers, this opens them up to having to charge every EV, regardless if the automaker has an agreement with them or not, just like your VinFast doing their stuff. And my opinion is when you're a public charge point operator, you are now taking the responsibility of dealing with the niggles of all these cars or you leave people stranded. Um, and that's why I think maybe it is worth bringing rate your charge back because our viewers own probably one of every electric car on the planet. And, Mm um, you know, I even know one of our viewers has a Nevera. So like, you know, probably one of everything and, uh, or close to it. And so we can really start to dial this in and, and figure out what cars work and what cars don't. And, you know, the other thing I should mention is Tesla charging follows rate your charge, the official Tesla account. So they know about it. They follow it. Uh, every charge point operator follows it. 
So it's it's got the eyes of the right people. We have the right people, you know, our nerd viewers to help provide the best information possible. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe we bring it back. But this this is more of a topic of supercharger networks going through some changes. EV9 charged one day. The next day, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's inconsistent. It's buggy. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know what Tesla is doing and what's causing all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would th- be. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, great to see what they're doing in their own version of their their lab, their charging lab, and their interoperability testing. I, of course, Tesla is rolling out in phases access for certain automakers and their EVs to the supercharger network, starting with Ford, probably closely followed by GM. But maybe you will, I mean, we'll just monitor how that goes, see how that goes, report on how that goes for Ford owners, and then see how Tesla responds. Of course, we'll just keep watching this. It is interesting, a change in just a day in terms of accessibility of a charger, and it's not due to anything going wrong with the charger necessarily, but more things on the back end and the interoperability, which is a great question when we're thinking of making the EV charging public network better, which is just always what we're pushing for. But yeah, at least we know Tesla day. maintains the hardware in the ground. Like it, we, yes. we at least know that I see service techs at chargers all the time. They're mm-hmm. usually online. Very rarely, it does happen, but very rarely do they go offline. Uh, but will they actually charge the cars even though the charger's online? I don't know. It still seems like if you want the most reliable charging experience, you buy a Tesla and you charge it on the Tesla network. I think that might still be true. Let us know what you think. Have you also run into this problem at a magic dock? Let us know. Would love to hear it. Thanks, Kyle. This is definitely super interesting and uh, will be really, I mean, really interesting to follow along how this all unfolds. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. And thanks everyone for joining us. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And we'll see you next time on the next episode of the Out of Spec podcast. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by KimPower, the reliable, quick, and scalable EV charging solutions for everyone and everywhere. And StarCharge, the largest EV charging manufacturer in the world and is also a provider of residential and commercial battery storage.